If we are going to find our way out of shame and back to each other, vulnerability is the path encourages the light. To set down those lists of what we're supposed to be is brave. To love ourselves and support each other in the process of becoming real is perhaps the greatest single act of daring greatly. And that amazing quote bomb is from Brene Brown, which we're huge fans of. And on today's episode, uh, the topic is going to be destroyed by sex addiction and restored by hope. We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience. And should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being on the episode today and being willing to share your story as it's a really vulnerable thing to do. And I'm really grateful for your willingness to do that. And yeah, let's start with what your story is. Yeah, thank you. So first to start out, I wanted to just say for anyone who may be listening who is tied to the relationship that I had with my ex-husband. I want you to know that I've thought a lot about you in preparing for this podcast, and I really don't want to taint or cause any harm to the memories you have of us. At the same time, honesty and authenticity is incredibly important to me, and my hope in hearing this podcast is that you can find healing from any hurt or pain in your own life and see that there's hope in the deepest of pain, and at the end of the day, it is okay to be human. So to jump into my story... I got married right after college to my college sweetheart, and we built a marriage that I was really proud of. My ex-husband was a pastor at a local church, and I served alongside of him in ministry. He became my best friend. He became the person that I turned to for support and for love, and it was just a marriage that I was proud of. And... um, what I had hoped for and what I had prayed for it definitely wasn't perfect by any means. We early on, I had come across some pornography and that was really devastating at the time. However, we did go to counseling together and through that, I really thought that we healed and grow and I thought that he, he had healed as well. So um, I remember one time saying that the thing I was most proud of in my life was my marriage. That was about five years into being married. And then about two weeks before we bought our first house, he told me that he wanted me to know the whole truth and wanted to give me a choice before we made this big life decision together. So when he said that, he disclosed to me that when we were engaged, he had had a one night stand and had met up with somebody. And he told me at the time it was part of that addiction that had gone away and that he had healed from in the beginning of our marriage. But all at the same time, I was completely devastated and shocked and traumatized. I couldn't understand how in the world someone could have lied to me for so long. Um, I couldn't understand how you can go meet a perfect stranger and have this relationship with them and then never tell me about it. So we went through, I did choose to stay in our marriage at that time. We went through what's called a fair recovery. It's a program for healing from that trauma and that betrayal. And we worked through this six month program. And 
our marriage really wasn't ever the same after that. I really struggled a lot with trust and um, anger that mm. came along yeah. with that betrayal. Understandable. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, however, I did decide this was the marriage I committed to. This was the man I had committed to. And um, I really believed that we could be stronger from this. So about a year after that disclosure, uh, things kind of got worse and worse just as far as mistrust and just not being able to really recover from this. And he threw a series of what's called staggered disclosure. Mm -hmm. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But through staggered disclosure, I came to find out that he had continued in this addiction throughout our entire marriage. And he had had several ongoing affairs throughout our whole entire marriage and before while we were dating. And that all of that had actually begun when he was a teenager. Uh, and that... To say I felt betrayed feels like such an understatement. Mm. I've really tried to think of how to explain it and how to describe it, but I felt lonely. I felt mm. afraid. I didn't know what was real anymore mm. because my whole entire reality had been torn away from me. We did separate at that time because it was no longer healthy for me to stay in the same position. Yeah. And uh, that whole process was terrifying. I would wake up in the middle of the night wondering what was real. It affected my job. It affected my friendships, my family relationships, every part of my life. Mm -hmm. Because I would just wonder if the person closest to me could have kept all of this such a secret, then what can everybody else around them? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it was completely devastating. And we... Through the time we were separated, I still really didn't want to give up hope on our marriage. I had committed to this person. I believed that you only get married once and you mm -hmm. do this and you commit no matter what. But I also set boundaries in place knowing that I had to have honesty and I had to have faithfulness and be in a healthy marriage. And he did not do what he needed to do as far as healing to, for it to be healthy for me. Mm -hmm. So after several months, I, I just decided I can't do this anymore and had to cut off that relationship, which is also incredibly hard. Um, but through that, I also found um, a lot of healing. And so I can talk definitely more in depth about the healing, but that's kind of the overview of this. And yeah. Rebecca, um, how far are you in the healing process? Like how many years has it been since you started that yes. journey? This all, yeah, I separated three years ago. Okay. So that first year where you're talking about where everything feels like nothing is real and you're grieving your past, you're grieving your present and your future all at the same time. Um, what would you say were some of the emotions that were like the most difficult to kind of sit with during that first year? Yeah, I would definitely say loneliness, mm -hmm. fear yeah. of what reality is, a uh, loneliness because he was my best friend. Right. And this was my, my life. 
Serving in ministry with him was a huge piece of me. I grew up serving in ministry. And so that was my comfort zone. And I lost my comfort zone. I Mm. lost my home. I lost my safe place. My home had been safe for me. And then all of a sudden, I didn't even know who had been in my house. I didn't know who knew. Um, I knew that the people he had been with knew who he was. They knew his name, which then meant they could look him up on Facebook and they could see that Mm -hmm. I was connected and I was tied. I also lived in a fairly small town and I... It was this sense of safety that was gone all of a sudden. I would be walking through the grocery store and someone would look at me different and I would think they know. They know what's Mm -hmm. going on. They think I'm an idiot. They think I am so stupid for being in a relationship with somebody who lied to me or who deceived you. Yeah. Yeah, deceived me. And so it was, uh, Probably fear and loneliness were the two biggest feelings that were so hard to sit with because they didn't go away for so long. So Rebecca, you mentioned in your story of that ministry was a huge thing for for you and in your relationship and that that was a huge part of your life growing up. And I feel like divorce is presented such a specific way in church culture of this idea of that you're married and once you're married you stay married like no matter what no matter how awful it is whatever and that there's not really an actual healthy view of that I think um and so and people don't really understand what that means they just accept it and are almost terrified of like upsetting God right and So what would you say as you've gone through this experience and having grown up with that idea, how did that change for you? What did that look like when that did change for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think definitely growing up with the viewpoint divorce is not an option that went with me into my marriage. I did know, though, that if your spouse had an affair, then you were, it was okay to divorce. You Mm -hmm. know, that was kind of that mindset and that mentality. At the same time, there was nothing in me that ever thought that an affair was something that was going to be in my marriage. Right. Let alone everything that ended up being a part of my marriage. And when all of that happened, I just remember feeling like such a failure. Hmm. Like I did something wrong. I didn't do it right. And I was no longer right in the sight of God or in the sight Mm. of other Christians. And that this now made me less of a Christian. Mm. And I knew that God loved me. I knew that I had to rely on him through this, even though I questioned Mm -hmm. every moment whether or not he was there. But I didn't. It took me a long time to really understand that it was okay for me to have this this divorce title. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that was really tough. And the way that it's changed my perspective is that I think God wants help in our life. God Mm -hmm. wants us to be healthy individuals and God calls us ultimately to love 
him and to love others. Mm-hmm. And when we are in a marriage with somebody who is not loving us appropriately and who is causing harm and trauma, mm-hmm. then God, I think God wraps his arms around those people and God wants those people to find help for themselves. And I think that, I think as a, in a Christian culture, we really need to get away from this mindset of divorce is not an option and say, how can we prepare people to be in healthy relationships and healthy marriages? And if something changes or something shifts to where that's no longer healthy, how are we as a church standing by and surrounding those people and loving them and encouraging them to do what's healthy? Mm. Oh, I loved that answer. That was such a great answer. And yeah, I could only imagine how you felt being the one that was betrayed and then feeling like now I'm looked at as or I'm feeling like I'm a failure to God or like just Mm -hmm. the extra layers of shame that went on to something that you were you were wounded by. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I love that you shared that. I think that unfortunately, many people can relate to that. And so Mm -hmm. thank you for that insight. Yeah. So in that, do you, do you feel like there was a lot of people around you and I don't know. So that's why I'm asking is were there people around you with kind of that idea of you just need to forgive them and like keep going? Or did you feel like you had support on the other side of that of like, okay, like if this person continues to not be someone who you can be in a healthy relationship with, because they're not doing the things that they need to be doing to do that, um, that were supporting you in that? Where did that kind of fall for you? Uh, thankfully, I had an incredible support system. Yay. And my family stepped up, wrapped their arms around me and had really actually told me that they were, I remember my dad said, you have shown ingre- incredible grace and you've shown incredible forgiveness. And whatever Aww. you decide to do, we are proud of you and we love you. Aww. And for me, that was such a healing moment. Mm. Um, And it was so important to me because they were my warriors <laughs> when I was having such a hard time. Mm-hmm. And when I, I felt so weak. And so, ah, so ashamed and so much like a failure. And yet I had these people standing right next to me saying I wasn't and mm-hmm. speaking life into me. And that was huge. So having gone through this super traumatic experience, and I think that that's something I really want people to understand is that this is trauma. Having a spouse, having a partner betray you is super traumatic. And I feel like so many women and even men don't understand that. And they go through this experience sometimes not getting that and they don't get all the help that they need because they don't even know that what's happened to them is trauma. Um, And so I just, that's something that I really want to make clear through this series is that it is trauma and trauma really needs healing and it needs specific help and it needs trained people to come alongside you and take you through that process. Um, So in that, now you being three years into some of this healing process, um, I have like a couple questions about that. But one of them is what made you decide to continue to work so hard 
um, for your own healing and recovering from this trauma, even though you weren't going to be continuing in that relationship? In a lot of ways, especially at the beginning, I didn't feel like I had a choice. (laughs) So I, before the disclosure that caused the separation, Mm -hmm. I had gone through three years of infertility and had experienced a miscarriage about six months prior. And through, yeah, through that situation, I experienced some pretty intense depression. Mm. And so I already knew what deep depression looked like. Mm. And I knew what it was like to not want to live life anymore to feel isolated, to feel like I didn't know what to do, to feel lost. And Mm -hmm. so then when I experienced this trauma of staggered disclosure and started experiencing what I now know to be PTSD, I didn't understand it at the time at all. I had, I knew I had a choice. I either had to get myself up out of bed every morning and put myself around people who loved me. Mm. Or I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to continue my life. And mm. that was a scary reality to me. So really, my healing came from a lot from realizing how much better I felt when I could embrace the moment, when I could sit in a room with my family and be aching so bad, my body would be hurting, my heart was Mm. completely broken. And my aunt would say a joke that made me laugh. And for a split second, I could forget. Mm. And for a split second, I could experience joy. And to just hold on to those moments is what got me through that intense pain. And so as I started to heal more and more, I started to realize that I could have more of those joyful moments. Mm. And that being able to learn to be in the present moment and to be grateful for what was right there in front of me helped me to gain my footing again with reality, Mm. to know what was real. And it helped me to start to really experience a type of joy that I had never encountered before. Mm. So through that healing, that actually gave me the motivation to keep pushing through and to keep healing. And I will say the healing journey, even now, three years later, is brutally hard. And I understand why people go the direction they go. I understand why they stuff their feelings. I understand why they stuff the past Mm. because it's so hard to experience it and encounter it. But through the counseling that I did, I did something called EMDR, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly helpful and healing for anybody who's gone through trauma. That I started to experience a freedom from the fears of freedom from the anxiety that would pop up and the more freedom and the more joyful moments I had, the more motivation I had to keep pushing through. Hmm. So in your life now, as you continue this, this journey and this healing, as you're still working that out and you mentioned, you know, PTSD, which we'll talk more about in um, another episode with you talking about things that you've learned and, um, some insights you have for for help. What is how does that kind of look now 
what does that look like a little bit in your everyday life now? Because it affects that so greatly. Um, what's just like a little bit of that experience like for you now? Yeah. Now in my life, uh, thankfully, day to day, I don't have a lot of the anxieties that I used to have. However, there will be days where my anxiety is higher, where I question reality, Mm. where I question people's intentions and people's motives. And what it's done for me is it's actually created the more that we practice these things and the more that we incorporate them into our lives, we actually develop new brain waves and new connections in our brain that make it more natural for Mm -hmm. this to happen. So as I've done this over the last three years, I find myself when I question somebody's motivation and somebody's intention, I find myself asking, okay, what do I know? What, what facts do I have in front of me? Mm -hmm. The facts I have are what this person says and what this person does. And I know that I can rely more on the actions than Mm -hmm. on the words. Mm -hmm. And so I watch people's actions and I put those pieces together and I know that I get to decide for myself what's real Mm. and that I don't get to have anybody else tell me what's real and what's not real. And a lot of what helps me now is just everything that I've learned over the last three years about uh, something called gaslighting, which Mm -hmm. is a type of psychological abuse that I experienced with my Mm ex-husband. Rebecca, were you, are you about to explain it? I was going to say, will you explain that to just anybody listening that doesn't know what gaslighting is? If yes, just I, I, off the top of your head, I know. Sorry, didn't mean to. Put no, you no, on no. The spot. I'm happy to explain it. I think it's so important mm-hmm. and to for people to understand and to know that this is something that happens. So gaslighting is when there's somebody in a relationship with you, someone close to you, or somebody who has authority over you, who denies your reality and makes you believe what they want you to believe. So it is something where it could be something as simple as I say, this shirt looks blue. And they convince me that the shirt is actually purple, Mm. and that they do not accept me saying this shirt is blue. So they might use different forms of manipulation, different forms of of persuasion to get mm-hmm. me to realize that the to say that the shirt is a different color. So they might say something like, well, maybe you need to get your eyes checked. Or are you sure? Because my friend said that that's a different color. Mm, so they'll yes. use very, very tiny realities mm-hmm. to get you to question your own reality. When you don't realize it's happening, Mm-hmm. It can be very scary because they then have the ability to convince you of so many things. Yeah. And now that I look back, my ex-husband did that all the time. Mm-hmm. And he did it with how I felt someone treated me. I might mm-hmm. say, I feel like that person really doesn't like me. And he would say, oh, I don't know what you're talking you know, rather than saying, well, tell me more about that. Or mm-hmm. what makes you think that rather than being curious about where my feelings are coming from, he would tell me his opinion, but that would then shut down my feelings. Mm-hmm. And so over time, I stopped listening to my gut reaction and my mm-hmm. gut response. That intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that intuition. And so what I've done, a big part of the work that I've done over the last three years is to really listen to myself and to really 
discover that part of me mm-hmm. and to to be proud of that part of me and yeah. to know that that is a big part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, I wanted to ask you, you talked about ministry was a big part of your life even before your uh, marriage. And so I was just curious where God was in all of it, in the beginning, in the middle, and now. Um, I just feel like that's always such a tricky relationship in times of like hardship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I love knowing like where people are at with that through it all, because I think that's helpful for listeners Mm -hmm. that are going through it, that it's like hard and tricky and up and down and all over the place. And so um, can you kind of share with me whatever you're comfortable with? Yes, definitely. So I said at the beginning of the podcast that honesty and authenticity is so important to me. (laughs) So it's very important to me to be authentic through this answer. I have questioned God so much through this whole process. And when I was going through infertility, I questioned God and I prayed and I didn't understand why I couldn't find peace through infertility, Mm. even though I begged for it. Mm. And then to beg God for peace and to have my whole world ripped out from under me didn't make any sense to me. I had prayed and prayed and prayed before I got married that God would show me if this was the man that he had for me. I told and I fully believe that I was willing to listen to God and walk away from that relationship as mm-hmm. God asked me to. But I never I never heard from God in that. In fact, I thought that I heard God say to marry this person. Mm. And I, one big thing for me was the amount of pain that I experienced through all of this, I know doesn't compare to the pain that some other people have to walk through. And I don't understand why God lets that happen. I don't understand why God allows this type of pain and why he allows it to continue And why he allows people to get to a place where they do commit suicide or they do start to cause pain to other people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. But at the same time, through all of this, there has been something greater than me that keeps showing up. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of it, I've always said that I really hope that Christ is revealed through other people because Mm -hmm. that is what was so big to me. One incredible story that I experienced in that is I was at my end and just saying, God, I can't live anymore and I need you to step in if you want my life to continue. And in that moment, my best friend texted me and said, hey, you're on my mind Mm. and I love you. And it's uh, moments like that that I don't know. (laughs) I mean, why does why did I get a text message and sometimes other people don't get a text message? I don't understand that and I don't have the answers for that. But I can say that God has been there and he's revealed himself. And above all, at the end of the day, I know he is far more mysterious than I could ever understand or comprehend. And I hope that means something. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that 
completely beautiful, honest answer. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that also. Like you said, you know, honesty and authenticity is super important to you and us as well. Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, part of the whole reason why we're doing this. And so I'm so glad to ha- be united in that and to um, hear your experience. And I think it's so valuable and it's so important. And um, yeah, so... Briefly, I had kind of wanted you to just talk a little bit too, and we can talk about this more too in the other episode of like insights and things that you've kind of learned um, is you are in another relationship now and you are in a healthy relationship. And I, I understand so many women in the space where they can't even begin to comprehend the idea of being in a relationship after this type of pain and trauma or Um, what that could even look like, because it just seems so unfathomable. And you've done so much work in, um, in your healing and in um, going into another relationship. So I was just hoping that you could share a little bit of what that's been like for you, how it's kind of different, but also um, what that looked like for you. Yeah. So I was definitely one of those women that could not fathom being Mm -hmm. in another relationship. Um, I didn't, couldn't understand any man who would want to be with somebody who had been through what I had been through, who would have to commit to the effects of PTSD for the rest of his life, who would have to build the kind of trust that would be necessary Mm -hmm. to be able to go into another marriage I just didn't see that that was a a possibility. So when I walked away from my marriage, it was with the intention of I may never get married again. I may never be in a relationship again. But I knew that being single for the rest of my life was more healthy for me than to be in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I knew that's what I needed. I did meet somebody um, who is now, he's been my husband now for five months. So, Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. We are in we are in the marital bliss and first year of getting through the toughest, <laughs> right? Supposedly the toughest parts, I'm sure. Um, but he did build the kind of trust that was needed, and that was incredibly hard. <laughs> it was very difficult for me to learn to trust somebody again. There was trigger after trigger after trigger with him. And when we first started dating, I didn't even understand the triggers. I didn't understand what would come up with. He would show up one time. He showed up five minutes late and I ended up in the corner in a ball Mm. uh, crying Mm. my eyes out because I all of the other memories popped up and came flooding back to me. But through a foundation of honesty and authenticity and setting lots of boundaries with each other and committing to help and committing to working through the hard stuff and being in a relationship where we're open and honest about our feelings. We're not afraid of conflict. We understand that conflict comes up. And we understand that we both have past trauma. We both have past stuff that pops up in our relationship, we get to grow together and we get to learn to live life together. And it's pretty amazing. (laughs) It's pretty incredible the kind of depth that I get to experience with him that Mm -hmm. I never knew was possible. 
And it's incredible to be with somebody who is committed to honesty and authenticity Mm. and who is committed to working hard and to growing with me. Um, But it is so very, very hard. And it does take a lot of work. And I do understand why people decide to never get married again and why they aren't in relationships anymore or why they only keep surface level relationships because true intimacy is scary Mm. and it's very vulnerable. And I wake up every day knowing that I took a risk with marrying him Mm. and that I don't ever have 100% guarantee of forever. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. That, that just sounds, um, so hard it does but it sounds so beautiful and i think that that's such can be such opposing feelings um but really kind of makes up like the human experience in a way of that that working so hard for something but also just that risk that risk that we take in loving people and i'm proud of you like i'm super proud of you for taking that risk because Oh, that's what so I was, hard. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, wow, when she was saying you were just telling that it was the first time I've heard that. And um, I was just thinking, wow, that says a lot about Rebecca. Yeah, that she is a totally authentic person, that she would open herself up to be vulnerable again, and did the work to be able to be an authentic, vulnerable person. And man, I was just really proud of you for that. And makes, I want to be your friend. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me want to be your friend. Do you want to say the B word? Yeah, I know. I I think you're a badass. I'm going to be the cusser on the the podcast. Is that really a cuss word though? I I don't think so. Um, There's other people that might think so. But we're also like not necessarily like a family friendly podcast either. So, you know. But no, that's the word that always comes to mind when I'm proud of somebody for doing like, that's a really insanely hard thing to do just in general to be vulnerable enough to marry somebody. But after your experience and to me, you're just a badass. And so that's why I use that word. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I strive for that every day. So it it warms my heart that you just titled me. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Good. Yeah. So um, what would you want to tell someone going through a similar experience? I would want to say there is hope. There's hope for healing. I would say don't ever think that your feelings aren't valid because Mm -hmm. they are. Everything Mm -hmm. you are thinking, feeling and experiencing is valid. And what is so important for you is to find your support. I am a huge proponent of professional counseling. Yes, we are too. And, and yes, trauma-informed counselors as yes, well, perfect. especially in something like this. This is traumatic. This is real trauma. Mm-hmm. And it is so important that you get the help that you need and you find the support that you need. And joy will come again. It will And I did not believe that people told me that over and over again. And I just couldn't believe it or couldn't understand it, but I kept hoping for it. And it does. And those joyful moments are so worth it. And they, there are more and more and more as you get farther and farther removed from it. 
but also to say, find out what's healthy for you and live in that. And don't let anybody else determine what's healthy for you except for yourself in conjunction with a professional counselor. (laughs) Amen. So again, Rebecca, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here and telling your story and being willing to stand in those dark places um, with us and with other people and saying like, there's hope and you're not alone. And like Catherine already said, like you're a badass, like to work so hard and to go through all of this and to um, be able to come to the place that you're at now where you can share your story in hopes that um, you can support someone else who is going through something similar. And, um, I just really, it takes so much courage to show up and do that. So I'm super proud of you. I'm super grateful for you doing that. And, um, as always, you can connect with us on Instagram at talking about the no nos. You can email us at talking about the no nos at gmail.com and find your safe people to talk about the no nos with. And stay tuned because there will be a part two. Yes, we will do a part two where Rebecca is able to share more of what she's learned about those brain neural pathways and the EMDR and PTSD. what living with PTSD looks like. So there will be more resources and insights in that episode.